Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Turn with me and your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, if you would, please. Luke chapter 2. And I thought we'd spend this evening talking a little bit about one of the personalities of Christmas or the nativity scene. And since we're talking about faith, we can look at an individual and maybe point out some of the characteristics of his life. And, of course, that will help us and bless us. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 16. But first, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of studying your word together. And as we do, we invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and guide to enlighten us, to quicken us, to change us according unto your word from glory to glory. And Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost that I may boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit, that our faith would stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The verse says, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Notice Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when you consider the Christmas story and the nativity scene, it's easy for us to focus on the shepherds and their sheep and to focus on the wise men and the gifts that they brought and also to be caught up looking at the Angelic choir, I mean, you can imagine the angelic choir that was there and all that took place. And Also, you could even get involved in looking at the other animals that were there in the stable. Because today, when our artists draw pictures of the scene, they put all this together. And of course, there's so many things to look at. If you're not really focused enough, you can focus on some things and maybe focus on the things that are not as important as the things we should be looking at. Of course, Jesus being born is, is very important. Of course, he's received a lot of attention. And then, of course, there's Mary. And Mary, you know, she received a lot of attention and still does today. But what about that individual by the name of Joseph? Think about Joseph for a moment and the role that he played in God's plan. And that's what we want to do this evening. We want to focus in on the life of Joseph and kind of just see where he fits in God's plan. And take a look at his life and present some facts, I think, that will help encourage people who feel as though they don't have a whole lot to offer God. You know, sometimes in our Christian circles, there are those that are out there thinking that, well, I'm just me and I don't have a whole lot to offer to God. And there are those that hold the view that to really be doing something for God, you've got to be living this spectacular life. You've got to be somebody who's really special spectacularly living your life and doing all kinds of great things for God, having a worldwide ministry on television, the radio, and, and all this. And that's not really true. God uses everyday common people. Yes, Amen. Amen. And aren't you thankful that He does? Yes. Praise God. And that's why we want to look at this individual by the name of Joseph, because right there we have the three main characters in the Christmas story. We have Joseph, we have Mary, and we have Jesus. Go to back, back to the book of Matthew, if you would please, in chapter 1. 
And I'd like to once again just share a few things and a few thoughts about the life of Joseph. I think that will help us. First of all, to see the man's faith. Secondly, to see his character. And also to demonstrate that all you need to do is what you can do for God to be successful. No matter who you are, who I am, all I've got to do is what I'm capable of doing. What God wants me to do with my life. No more, no less. Just do what God wants and I'll be blessed. Amen. And of course, I believe his kingdom on earth is going to run smoothly as a result of it. He's the master planner and master designer. And if we all just do whatever it is he tells us to do, praise God, it's going to function properly on this earth. As a matter of fact, I'd rather him tell me to do something that's very easy. (laughs) What about you? What would you like me to do, Father? Would you like me to, um, let's say, carry the briefcase of the prophet? I'd be glad to. And that's all you want me to do with my life as a Christian, as far as uh, in your service? I'd be glad to do it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe just sit back in the background and just pick a few notes on a guitar. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? I'd love that. Well, anyhow, looking at the life of Joseph... In Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 20. Although very little biographical information is written about Joseph, we do have here a statement recorded that tells us that Joseph was of the descent of David. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, it wasn't too hard for him to be a son of David. He didn't have a whole lot to do with it, did he? I mean, he was born that way. Isn't that true? And God used him just as he was born, a son of David. His family also lived in Bethlehem. Let's let's go over to Luke chapter 2. And look at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And so that's why he did what he had to do. Secondly, look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13 and verse 55. That gives us an idea of what he did for a living. In Matthew 13 and 55, we discover that he by trade was a carpenter. Right? And if you really look that that up in the Greek and study it through, you'll find out that he was a smith or a maker of articles out of material. That's what he was. He was a maker of articles out of material. And the material he happened to be working with was wood. And it is also known that Joseph was a specialist when it came to wood design and interior design of wood. Decorating and all that. And he was highly skilled in his craft. Matthew 13 and 55.
Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? So we see that his father, Jesus' father, was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. And we know that all, not just carpentry, but all handicraft were held in high honor at that time. And also, those that were skilled and highly skilled and developed would teach their children. The children were taught by the best, and the best was their father. And so Jesus was taught the skill by his father, and that lets us know that his father was highly skilled and highly honored in the field of carpentry. And so we see, actually, he's just a common man. He's of the household of David, and he's a carpenter, and he's skilled in what he does. He does a good job for whoever he works. He handed the trade down to his son. If you do some other studies, you'll find in some research that they say he wasn't really highly educated. He didn't have a great education. He also didn't have a whole lot of traveling experience. Didn't travel very far until he met Mary and got married and had Jesus and then he had to flee. He learned about traveling in a quick hurry. And he went out into Egypt, didn't he? He wasn't an author of any book. So as far as having any kind of fame being this great author or anything like that, that didn't exist because had he written a book, it probably would have been called The Pros and Cons of Being Stepfather to the Son of God by Joseph, son of Jacob. And I've never read that book, have you? Anywhere. And so what we're saying is, it's not that he had a great name for himself. He was known as the carpenter in the city. Just like you might drive through town and stop at the hardware store and say, well, here's so-and-so. And he does a good job at what he does, whether it's, you know, working there at the store, the painter or whoever. He was just a common man. Look at Luke's gospel, once again, chapter 2. And while you're finding that, I want to say something that really is very striking, at least to me, and it might be to you, about Joseph. And, and that's this, not one word he ever spoke is recorded in Scripture. Not one word he ever spoke is to be found in the Word of God. Now, Mary said some things, and we read that, but never do we find in Scripture a word recorded that, Jesus, that Joseph spoke. And I thought that to be very striking. Not one thing that he said. So it sounds like he's just kind of low-key, doesn't it? Just a common person, low-key, living his common life, just doing what he knows to do. And God is honoring him. And, of course, God is blessing him. Also, you'll find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and we're going to begin at verse 41. He never appears in the Gospels after Christ was 12 years of age and became a son of the law. After this ceremony, when Jesus became a son of the law, you never hear mention of Joseph any longer in the Gospels. That's the end of it all as far as his life is concerned. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. 
And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And that's it. That's basically the, the end as far as Joseph's life is concerned. Now, there's other things we're going to talk about, but that's the last time you really... Chronologically speaking, you hear about the life of Joseph in, in, in the Scriptures. Now, you can't really follow tradition because if you do some studies and you try to follow what some commentators say, you're just going to get all confused. I know I got all confused about his age and other things, in particular like, you know, when he died. Now, look at Matthew, let's see, Matthew chapter 12, as far as his death is concerned. Matthew 12, and, and we're going to begin at verse 46. There are those that believe that he died when Jesus was 18 years of age. So that would mean about six years after that ceremony took place, he died, if that's true. One reason why many believe that is because when Jesus died on the cross, you'll notice that Joseph was not there. You also discover that Jesus said before he died to John... To take care of Mary, his mother, on the earth. Which would imply that her husband was no longer there to take care of her. And that he was to take care of his mother. Which once again would imply his death. Because you'll discover as we continue our study that Joseph was a very responsible person. And Joseph was every where he needed to be for Jesus at all times. And so, once again, if you follow that and also some of these things that we see here in the Scriptures, we can conclude that he probably died before Jesus was either thrust into his ministry or at the very beginning of his ministry and before he was crucified at Calvary. Verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Notice it's his mother and his brothers. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Here we have no reference, of course, to father. Now, someone might say, well, that means he might have been working or something like that. But like I said, if you do your study, you'll find out that there's no mention of him anywhere. And the other references leave him out. And wherever Jesus was, 
his father was always there with him, for him, along with Mary. And I'll show you some of that as we go on. Go on back to Matthew chapter 1. And we want to pick it up at verse 18 and share some of the things that really characterize the life of Joseph. And we want to demonstrate that faith involves a whole lot more sometimes than what we really think in our minds. It involves a whole lot more than just receiving our healing from God, receiving our needs met as far as financial needs and other things. You know, that we need in this life. It involves a whole lot more than that. And you'll notice that in the life of Joseph. Beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Well, what does that tell us about the life of Joseph? First of all, Mary was his espoused wife. The pure young woman he was about to marry. Now, according to the custom of a spousal, this was the actual beginning of marriage itself. It was a public and formal proceeding that was confirmed by oaths and the giving of gifts to the bride. Papers were signed and documented. And in actuality, that was all the signing of papers and and documentations that you needed as far as the marriage ceremony was concerned. And all that was left to do was to consummate the marriage, which took, which took place approximately one year later. Within that period of one year, they were to come together and consummate the marriage. And then the two, of course, were then formally married. Well, the only way this could be called off would be if one would file for a divorce. Or if he would give to her a formal written letter of divorcement. Now, you go back to the law in Deuteronomy 24 and 1, and it talks about this bill of divorcement. And this bill of divorcement was provided for those, let's say, for example, who would find an unclean thing in his wife. Now, see, she was still considered his wife at that time because they had already gone through the espousal ceremony. And so, therefore, seeing her pregnant, would be finding an unclean thing and he would have a right to give her a bill of divorcement and call off the actual consummation of the wedding. But it would be a legal divorce that would have to take place, which goes to show that in actuality, it was the beginning of marriage that really took place when they signed the papers. Now imagine this. I'm sure he is thrilled about the day they can come together and consummate the marital relationship. When all of a sudden, look at the latter part of the verse, she was found, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. What does that suggest to you? If you just think about it for a while. She was found with child. In some places it says she was great with child. Can you imagine walking down the street and seeing your espoused wife all of a sudden? You take a good, long, strong, sharp look right around the belly. Can you imagine what that would do to someone's insides? I mean, think about it for a while. She was found 
with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, it's obvious that she didn't explain any of this to Joseph at that time. He just found out. Now, either he was told through the grapevine, someone else saw her, and I'm sure if someone else you know, saw her and told him, he might have been sneaking around, snooping around to find out to see what he could see. Whatever. You've got to put yourself in the man's position to see what his heart went through at the time that he found out that she was pregnant. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away Privately, privately, in a private way. In other words, he wasn't going to expose her. Well, first of all, we see that Joseph did not act in haste or rashly at the moment he discovered that she was pregnant. He didn't lose his mind and panic and go berserk and act out of haste. And then try to put her away with much fanfare. His interest was not in exposing her. His interest was not in destroying her. But being a just man, he knew that he had to put her away somehow, some way. And so in his own thinking, this is how he was going to do this. But notice he maintained his mental faculties. He controlled his emotions and he made a decision in his own thinking to do it in a private way. This demonstrates he was a person of godly wisdom and also tender consideration. Those are genuine attributes and characteristics of an individual that need to be in the lives of people today. Of being a person of godly wisdom and tender consideration for other people makes an individual a better person in society today. Joseph lived by those rules. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of betrayal, at least which he felt he was betrayed in his mind, when he was grieved, when his mind was baffled, when he was probably beside himself emotionally, he acted with godly wisdom and he acted with tender consideration. Something that we should all learn. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things. Now think about that for a moment. What does that statement suggest? He didn't just make haste. He didn't go hunt her down somewhere and shake her and say, why did you betray me? We're about to consummate our marriage and live together happily ever after. And all of a sudden I discover this. What is going on? Why have you done this thing? People today think their lives are ruined forever because something like this happens. And they never get over the heartache and they never get over the pain or the grief or the suffering. But Joseph, he gets alone with God. 
and he ponders over these things. And we probably could say he was a person of prayer. He was a person who sought the mind of the Lord, who wanted to continue in this godly wisdom and not make haste to do the right thing. But there was much to think about. There was much to consider. And so he waits upon the Lord, thinking about what he really should do, how he should act, what action he should take. You will notice in the previous verse that it said he was a just man. And just for a moment, let me draw your attention to what a just man is really like. But to understand what a just man is, it's important to know that just or being a just man is only the fruit of the greater root on the inside being a good man. It is said of Joseph of Arimathea that he was a good and a just man. Isn't that something when you really think about it? Jesus was born in a virgin womb and he died in a virgin tomb. And also, if you think about it, Joseph was there with Mary and Joseph was there to put him in the tomb. Just some food for thought. He was a good man, meaning this is what he is on the inside. This is an inward thing, an internal thing. What he was like inwardly on the inside. He was a good man. And a just man is his external conduct. The way he dealt with other people. The way he treated other people. His dealings with other people was the fruit of the root of his goodness. Because he was a good man, his dealings were just. He wanted to be just and treat people fairly and do things correctly. In other words, he had no wrong inward motives of heart. His actions were based on good characteristics and qualities. And so, Joseph, being this just man that he was, seeks the Lord. And because of his goodness, what takes place is God responds and sends an angel. Look at verse 20. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. He had to identify him as being of the family of David. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So it's apparent that nothing else was said to him or nobody else said anything to him. He is really alone at this time with his own thoughts by himself. I mean, come on, put yourself in that situation. Can you imagine what thoughts would be flooding your mind at that time? Can you imagine what will be happening in your inward parts at that time? But being this good and just man that he was, he seeks the Lord, doesn't act in haste. He is not rash in his actions. And now all of a sudden, an angel appears to him and says, Don't fear, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... Now, notice he goes back to the prophet, quotes the word of God to Joseph, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, 
and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. What does this demonstrate? When you consider all that was just said. As far as Joseph's life is concerned, I want you to notice the next verse, verse 24. And it will show us many things about the life and character of Joseph that we all need to live by. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Notice quickly. Three things we see here about this life of Joseph. Number one, he was a person of the Word. He knew the Word that the angel spoke to him. He heard the Word of the Lord, and that Word from God eradicated the thoughts of putting Mary away. Secondly, he was a person of great faith. Beloved, I thought about this long and hard. You know what? It was more difficult and required more faith, I believe, for Joseph to believe that Mary had conceived by the Holy Ghost than Mary herself to believe. Mary was there. Right? Mary knows that she wasn't intimate with any other man, correct? Joseph doesn't know this. And no matter how long or hard she could try to convince him that she was to the mind of a man when you see your spouse wife pregnant. So you see, Mary knew she wasn't with another man, but Joseph had to believe it. By faith. And that faith came from the Word of God that said a virgin shall conceive. He was a person of faith. He believed the Word of God. Beyond his senses, beyond all reason, beyond biological laws, he believed the Word of God. Now, beloved, the third characteristic is a tremendous quality. And we all can live by this. He was a person of obedience. Amen. A person of the Word, a person of faith, and a person of obedience. Look at what it says. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. I mean to tell you, he acted immediately in obedience to the Word of God. Isn't that wonderful? Quickly, he responded to the Word of God. And then look at verse 25, and you'll see another characteristic of, of his life that is tremendous. Verse 25, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. What does this say to us? He was selfless. What does it say to us? He put the will of God above his own needs and desires. He esteemed the plan of God 
and the purpose of God greater than his own needs or desires. Yes, he was a common man. Maybe he didn't have a whole lot to offer. He wasn't a genius. He certainly wasn't one of fame. He wasn't a king or a prince. He wasn't a great statesman or anything like that. But he had some tremendous qualities that God saw that he could use to his honor and glory. A life that could be used just as it was to fulfill a purpose in his will. And you ever notice this? You always go back to these qualities. They believed the word, they had faith, and they were obedient. And they gave what they had. They gave of themselves. Well, let's not stop there because there's some more about this, this life of this man that really can help us in our lives today. John's Gospel, chapter 1. John's Gospel and chapter 1. And verse 45. Another thought to strike our thinking. You know that Joseph was so faithful in his care for Jesus Christ that he deserved to be called his father on earth. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He identified, he was identified as being the son of Joseph. And of course, other places they said it was his father. But it was because of his care for Christ. It was the way he lived his life. And I want to show you these truths. First of all, that very first verse, you're in Luke, John, go back to Luke 2 and 16. That very first verse tells us a whole lot, even though... We may read over it lightly when we're reading through the account of the Christmas story and the nativity scene and just kind of pass right on over it. But the fact that Joseph was a part of that scene tells us a whole lot based on what we've just heard. He was there. He was there. Look it. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. He was there. At his birth, Joseph was there. That means he withstood a severe test. He passed with flying colors. He stood against the odds. He stood against human reasoning. He stood against the temptation to expose Mary, to disbelieve the Word of God, apparently at an extreme incident. He took her and He was there when the child was born. It wasn't His, but He was there. You know, beloved, sometimes God is just looking for people to be there. That's what He's looking for. Be there. And He'll use what you have. He'll use what I have. 
He was there. God assigned him a, a, a very important role and assignment to his life. What was God's big, enormous plan for Joseph? To be a husband and to be a father, a teacher to teach his son, a provider, right? And a protector. See, some people think, I just don't have enough to offer. I'm just not all that important. Wait a minute. All he wanted him to be was a father, a husband first, a father, a teacher, a provider, and a protector. You know, sometimes people look at those identities and they think, that's not a whole lot. All I am is a housewife, a mother, a teacher, one who nourishes. I'm not all that important in God's plan. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Listen. As a husband, he was there. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 22, if you would, please. He was there when the baby was born. Verse 22, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem. Not just Mary, they. Joseph was there. To Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, etc. So he was faithful in all the ordinances of the temple. But once again, I show you, he was there. He was there with Mary by her side and did his part in presenting his stepson to keep obedience to the laws of the temple. Look at verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Now do you see why I'm saying that when we read that Joseph wasn't there, those verses where we saw that Joseph wasn't mentioned, every year he was there. Every event he was there. On every occasion he was there. And to think that he was alive and not present at the crucifixion of his son? It's hard to imagine. He was there on every occasion for Jesus. And of course, when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So they, once again, were together. He was there for Mary every step of the way. Also, as a father... I realize that when Jesus was born, He probably stood in awe when He looked into the face of the babe with whom God was going to establish His covenant. I'm sure He rehearsed in His mind all the events that took place up until this time. And He looked into the eyes of the child that was born on that night. And I'm sure He stood in awe of what had taken place. It's one thing just to have a baby born and to view the miracle. But beloved, when you see a child come forth fathered by the Holy Ghost, 
And you begin to think in your mind what this means to the world and how God would establish His covenant through His life and that how He would be the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and I am in the place or the position, a common carpenter, to nurture, mold, and direct His life? Can you imagine what Joseph had running through his mind? But once again I say, he was there. He was a common man. He just lived by the qualities and the characteristics that were in his life. And what about teacher? Jesus grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. In other words, he was growing in all areas of his life. And who was the one that set the stage for his growth and development? You know who he was. Every step of the way, with every act of growth and development, Joseph was right there. He taught him how to be the best carpenter he could possibly be. And as one traditional thought, tradition says, he most likely died when Jesus was 18 years old. And at the age of 18, Jesus probably took over the trade. So that would tell us that Jesus was highly skilled and taught in carpentry because he had a good teacher. And who was that teacher? Joseph, his father. Every step of the way. And I can just see him so proud teaching his son. But then looking at him. You know, you can't help but to look at the, the natural and the supernatural. The natural and the supernatural. He's thinking, come on, son, this is how we do it. Now, you, look, you hold the hammer just like this and whatever. And then he's thinking, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God that an angel appeared to me in a dream and said He was Jesus, Emmanuel, God. I'm teaching God how to hammer an L. Can you imagine what went through this man's mind with those thoughts? And some things they just pondered when, when He said it in the temple there, the things that He said, didn't you know I'm supposed to be about my Father's business? And they just pondered with amazement at that answer and wondered, what does this mean? You see, it shows the human side and the spiritual side of, of them in their lives. And what about His protection or His protective hand? Who did God speak to in a dream when the child's life was in danger? Who? He was a leader, wasn't He? I said He was the leader of the family, wasn't He? God told him in a dream. And then what did he do? He took Mary. He took the child. He cared for their lives. He guarded. What a guardian. What a protector. He wasn't much of a traveler. But I'm telling you, when God said to go, he was obedient once again. He had faith to believe the child's life was in danger. He was obedient to do what God said to do. And he went to Egypt, protected the child. And then when he learned of Herod's death, what happened? He came back. And then, you know, other details. But the point is, he was a husband. He was a father. He was a teacher to his son. He was a protector as well as a provider. He took care of his earthly needs and he taught him a trade. 
Beloved, I realize that many things pertaining to the life of Jesus for the first 30 years are really silent. What took place at home and is growing up, the Bible is silent and there's not a whole lot. But I can guarantee you that what took place between Jesus and Joseph was a bond of love and affection that was strong and deep. How Jesus, I'm sure, loved His earthly father as he grew up under his wings and cared for him and how Joseph cared for Jesus. I like to go as far as to even say that because of his exemplary ministry of fatherhood, Jesus, who learned to love his heavenly father so much, had a perfect concept of what fatherhood is all about, all because of Joseph who really demonstrated what it truly meant to stand in that office of Father and to love Him and to nourish and to care for Him, to bring Him up in the way He should be brought up, to protect, also to see how to care for others. Many things Joseph taught his son Jesus. And as a result of his example... Jesus grew in wisdom and in strength. Look at verse 80 of chapter 1. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. And who do you think had a part to play in teaching Jesus the Scriptures and preparing Him for that bar mitzvah? Who do you think it was? Jesus. His father Joseph taught Him and he grew and waxed strong. Look at the last verse of chapter 2 once again. And he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And who do you think made vital contributions to this increase in the life of Jesus? The man that God selected to be his stepfather on earth. But as you review his life and as we look at this personality of Christmas, how it should speak to every one of us that no matter who we are in the walk of life, God could use whatever we have. And if He can use Joseph like that to influence the life of Jesus, a mere carpenter, a common person, He can use all of us See, we look at this life of Joseph and we think to be someone of that caliber, you've got to have this spectacular aura about you. You've got to be charismatic and have all these other qualities. But beloved, these are nothing but basic qualities that we all can develop in all of our lives if we choose to. And do you see what God is looking for? That's what He's looking for today. Amen? I don't know about you, but it blesses my heart to see someone of this character. Amen. To see his faith and to see how he withstood the odds and fulfilled the call of God. It reminds me of this individual who was in a play and he wanted his father to come and see the play that he was in. This play was two hours long. And the only part his son had in the play 
was two lines at the very end of the play. And so the father sat throughout the entire play and at the very end, I mean the very end, his son gives his two lines and the curtain falls. And when his son got a hold of him afterward and he said, well, Dad, what did you think of the performance? In particular, of my performance. Every son wants to know what his father thinks of his performance. And he said, son, all I can say, it wasn't too short and it wasn't too long. It was right on time. And if you think about it, if that's what your part to play is, then it was well done, thou good and faithful servant. Don't get a big head to think that I've got to be the whole play. And too many get stumped by thinking that. All I've got to do is my part. And if God tells me, when I say, Father, what did you think of my part? And all my part was, was, to hit a few notes on that keyboard in a public ministry setting to serve God in that capacity, to stand by someone who is in the ministry, to serve making tapes, to serve in this capacity or that capacity, to do whatever. Or, I'm a husband, I'm a father, a teacher, a provider, and a protector. And that's what I do. And God's big plan in, in the drama of life, as far as His kingdom is concerned, He needs more folk like that. Those that will demonstrate these qualities, that person will hear at the end what you did was right on time. Wasn't too short and it wasn't too long. It was done just right. And it was when it was supposed to be done. And if we all had that mentality and thought that way, then we'd see our part as being very important. Because can you imagine if when it was time for the son to speak out his two lines and he didn't do them right, could have destroyed the whole play. Think about it. So, beloved, let's admire Joseph and let's thank God for his life and prayerfully let's pick up on some of those attributes and characteristics. Think about his faith. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.